Vancouver Canucks start 2-0 to this season, taking both ends of this home-and-home -home set with the Edmonton Oilers to begin the 2023-24 season. 4-3, the final score in Edmonton on Saturday night after the 8-1 romp at Rogers Arena on Wednesday to get things going. This is Rick White Vancouver, Jeff Patterson, joined by Blake Price. And the Canucks beat the Oilers on the back of a backup goaltender and the back of depth scoring. Something that uh, has been in question, certainly through the preseason. We wondered a little bit about where were the goals going to come from for this Vancouver Hockey Club. But two games in, we've seen them spread the offense around. And uh, there were some solid performances up from the top of the lineup. But it was the kind of night when you look at the box score, Blake, that you're jumping at names like Nils Hoaglander, Jack Studnika, and Sam Lafferty picked up just before the start of the season. Pang Dividends already scores the winner early in the third period of this one. It was uh, an unbelievable performance. I don't know that it was textbook goaltending from Casey to Smith, but it certainly ended up working. And uh, can you believe it? A season opening sweep of a team that in many people's eyes was the Stanley Cup contender uh, but the Vancouver Canucks slowing them down to uh, to start this season. It's an unbelievable story. Yeah, something tells me that uh, there'll be different tones to the post-game podcasts in the Alberta capital compared to uh, ones out here on the West Coast. And uh, where have you heard this before? Uh, the Oilers are going to be lamenting depth scoring and uh, the lack of the big save in the big moment. Yep. Although Stuart Skinner did go start to finish in this one uh, after Jack Campbell got the hook midway through the game on Wednesday night. But this is a Canucks podcast, so we certainly will come at it from a Vancouver Vancouver perspective and you're right this wasn't a perfect hockey game by any stretch of the imagination you play this game 10 times you might only win this one but yeah. you know what they played this one tonight and Casey DeSmith did his part a bit of a surprise starter as uh, we know Thatcher Demko was under the weather the other night and uh, on this trip obviously he served as the backup and I suppose could have been pressed into duty if need be but they wanted to give him a little more time to rest and recover and you know what, Casey DeSmith, from the time he arrived here with those Pittsburgh Penguin-colored pads uh, on the eve of training camp, he was really good in Edmonton in the preseason. Remember, McDavid beat him on a breakaway in overtime, but he gave up two goals that night and only one at five-on-five. Five. And then out in Abbotsford, uh, you know, a mix of NHLers and AHLers, but uh, I thought he was solid that night as well in a loss to Seattle uh, the Canucks didn't score a lot of goals for him in the preseason, but they got four in this one, and that was enough. But the final shots are 41-16 to in the Oilers' favor, 33-9 to over the final 40 minutes. But this is the kind of performance you're going to need from your backup goaltender. It's not enough, and we've talked about this an awful lot over the years, you and I. It's not enough for your backup just to spell off the starter. If you're going to be a playoff team, your backup has to find a way to deliver results. And boy, did Casey DeSmith do that. As you mentioned a little earlier... Uh, not textbook, a lot of scrambles uh, around him, loose pucks, uh, didn't find them all, uh, and certainly the first shift of the hockey game. I think we all knew that the Oilers would mean business after what happened to them in Vancouver, and boy, did they ever, they got on the scoreboard 42 seconds in, but you know what, after that, uh, I thought the Canucks settled in, and really over the final 15 minutes of that first period, not only did they score twice to take a lead to the locker room after the first period, but I thought they started to control play as well when it looked like the Oilers might run them out of the rink in the first five minutes of the hockey game. It wasn't, again, going back to the phrase textbook, it wasn't a textbook defensive performance by any stretch of the imagination, but um, really active sticks. You know, I thought the, the Canucks read a lot of plays quite well, broke up plays, uh, both stick checked right next to the uh, defending the offensive player they were on, or intercepted passes or deflected passes, and so the Oilers weren't able to zip zap the the puck around 
quite like they like to do. Uh, and considering the amount of possession they had and the amount of power play time they had, I'm sure that was a frustrating night, despite eventually getting to, you know, past the 40 shot mark. I think they're going to be frustrated that, that number wasn't even more because they had trouble, I think, ultimately completing the plays that they had in their mind because of the active sticks uh, of the Vancouver Canucks. So it was desperate defense, but it was, if it makes sense, it was good desperate defense. Yeah, and look, the second period, you just you can't put that Edmonton power play to work as often as the no. Canucks did. And you spend as much time defending, you're going to run into trouble, you're going to take penalties. There were a couple of soft calls in there, certainly, but that's going to happen over the course of an 82-game season as well. But for the Canucks to get out of these first two games against this vaunted power play that did strike three times, once in Vancouver the other night, and it goes two for seven in this hockey game tonight, uh, and yet the Canucks come out 2-0 and to start the season. So, you know, it, it's almost not fair to judge their penalty killing just yet. It's a work in progress. They're still without Carson Soucy, Teddy Luger, and Ilya Mikheyev, and all three of those guys will be pressed right into duty whenever they get the clearance to get into the lineup, and that'll take the workload off some other guys. But you know, I, I want to see the penalty kill against other opponents because we know what this Oiler power play looks like. And, you know, how do you stop McDavid when he moves to the middle of the ice? Of course, you're going to follow him there, but then it opens up that passing lane to Dreisaitl at the side of the net and Dreisaitl is going to hear the ping of posts uh, probably on a sleepless night here because yes, he did score uh, early in the hockey game and man, did he have some other chances, but, uh, you know, close doesn't matter at the end of the night. Uh, it was a close hockey game, but uh, the Canucks will take the end result at four to three. So Edmonton goes two for seven on the power play. Canucks went one for three with the man advantage. Andre Kuzmenko's first of the season, a nifty tip. Uh, and I love the double screen, the sort of layers. And Rick Tockett's talked about this, getting guys to the front of the net and then standing their ground. You know, Brock Besser doesn't figure in the scoring there. He did pick up a point on the Hoaglander goal, and we'll talk about that one. But Besser has done a really nice job through two games here of getting to the front of the net, providing screens, being that net front presence. And Andre Kuzmenko, who scored so many tip-in and tap-in and deflection goals, uh, he's got his account started for this year. Uh, and it was a big one because, again, Edmonton got the early goal. If they get up 2 nothing, who knows how this thing goes. But Kuzmenko able to even the score at one. And then that uh, set the stage for Hoaglander to get his first of the year in the late stages of that first period. We're in quiet Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog, your source for online sports odds. And just two games on the schedule tomorrow, getting out of the way for the National Football League, perhaps. So uh, let's focus on a couple of the games that are there, Tampa and Ottawa. Ottawa, the underdog, or the favorite, pardon me, at one, minus 115. And Anaheim will have an uphill battle all season long, taking on another possible cup contender in the Carolina Hurricanes, plus 225 for the upset, the Ducks hosting the Hurricanes, and that's your Bodog line of the night. We'll get to our three-star selection a little later on, the staff that stands out as well. Uh, maybe a bit of a spoiler alert, but we're going to hear the name Nils Hoaglander as we go here, Blake, for the work that he did in the first period, but also the work that he did in the third period. He sets up Sam, Sam Lafferty. He's the guy that headmans that pass, and we saw Lafferty's speed on full display. But Nils Hoaglander... Yes, Nils Hoaglander getting a shift with four minutes to go in a 4-3 hockey game and the Canucks protecting a lead. What does that say about a guy that was a healthy scratch on the final night of the preseason when we thought that was a dress rehearsal? And obviously, Teddy Bluger hasn't played, and so they've had to uh, you know, go a little deeper in the depth chart. Jack Stunica recalled on the emergency basis, and he pays dividends as well. But 
Nils Hoaglander has points in each of the first two games here. He had two points tonight, a goal and an assist, so three points in his first two games looking like the player that they want him to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing is there's there's room for improvement for uh, a lot of guys in this bottom six, and I think there's a lot of players putting up their hand and saying, no, no, I, I, I want to stay here. I want to be the guy that you have invested time and or assets in. And, uh, you know, that can go for Hoaglander in terms of development. It can go for Lafferty in terms of uh, an asset uh, surrendered in a, in a uh, draft pick recently. And even for a guy like Studnika, who was just sent down and everybody thought he was going to make the team, didn't, and just by fate found himself back on the squad. So um, I, I think it's it was a really impressive showing on the night of all nights against, you know, again, the best player in the world, a cup contender, for the depth guys to show up and look like they did. It's really impressive, and it takes the burden off of the stars, who, of course, shone so bright on opening night. And uh, it may have just prolonged the stay in Vancouver because – I, I don't think Bluger's too far away, Jeff, um, and McKayev's not too far away. Uh, there's going to be a couple of disappointed guys headed down to the American Hockey League, and now it's just a, a dogfight to see who's going to stay up here. Yeah, you always hear guys say, though, that you know they want to make it difficult on the coaches, and you do that by showing up and performing and ultimately chipping in. And here we are two games into the season you know, Connor Garland scores the first goal of the season the other night. Dakota Joshua closed out the scoring. And then in this one, it's Hoaglander, it's Studnika, it's Sam Lafferty. Like, none of those guys. Well, I guess Garland did in the preseason. He scored in Seattle. But otherwise, so we were left wanting from others and wondering a little bit about the, the depth scoring. And here you are, five different guys that I would categorize as depth scorers, although Garland has had, had that spot on the top line with Elias Pettersson. And yet, really interesting ice time uh, allocation in the third period. The Canucks were hanging on, there's no doubt. And Rick Tockett, as a lot of coaches will, will shorten the bench. But he really shortened the bench. And guys like Kuzmenko, guys like Connor Garland, they were replaced. Sam Lafferty saw his ice time. PDG, despite uh, throwing the puck over the glass and really putting the Canucks up against it on that five-on-three uh, midway through the third. But uh, you knew that he would get back out there and, and be one of the guys who was trying to protect the lead. Some really good work by Elias Pettersson in the late stages. JT Miller, I thought, uh, was just a, a dog and a bone all night long. And so, you know, the Canucks scaled things back, as you probably would expect there. And in the, and in the third period as well, you know, it was hard to find Akito Hiroshi and Noah Juleson. Those guys barely played. And so the yeah. Canucks leaned on their top four, their big four. In fact, Ian Cole played 10 minutes and 14 seconds of the third period in his second game as a Vancouver Canuck. Uh, well, just because we're on the topic here, you mentioned it. Uh, and asked J-Pat coming in from Andy on Twitter. Have you seen enough from Juleson? Seems like he's not an NHL caliber player. Uh, he wasn't used a lot. That says one thing. There was a penalty there. It says another thing. And it was a, uh, a giveaway as well. I mean, um, you, you do wonder. You, you, we talked about the forwards making jobs difficult on the coaches. Uh, the coaches might have some easier um, decisions to make when it comes to these blue liners. Yeah, and we should mention as well that Abbotsford off to a terrific start, winning yeah. both of its games uh, to start the AHL season in Laval. You know, again, the right side, and there are issues on that right side of the defense. And now that they're out on the road, there's nowhere to shelter guys. I mean, the one way to shelter them is to not play them, and that's what they elected to do in the third period. Juleson uh, on the penalty kill, the McDavid goal, that pile in front of DeSmith, and he couldn't find the puck, and 
ultimately McDavid did. And at that point, uh, you knew that uh, trouble was uh, about to arrive on the Canucks doorstep. So yeah, it wasn't a great night for Noah Juleson. And I think he's looked the part of a, a you know, a tweener and, and a, a depth defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the struggles continue, do you perhaps give Cole McWard an opportunity at the National Hockey League level? Keep in mind that Carson Soucy is on this road trip. Rick Tockett said after the morning skate that it was a good day for Soucy. Uh, he stayed out late and continued to skate. Uh, so I, I think we talked about some of those forwards that are close. Carson Soucy, I think, will make his... Uh, regular season debut here on the road trip at some point, whether that is on Tuesday in Philadelphia or beyond. Uh, but at some point, I would think by this time next week, you're going to see Carson Soucy play. And so, you know, I know Tockett loves his lefty-righty combinations, but maybe you just uh, you get Soucy in there and plays with Akito Hiroshi, uh or some, you know, some combination. I think but, the yeah. end is nigh on lefty-righty. You're right. I think I think either Soucy or Cole is going to find themselves on the right side. I I, I think that uh, it's necessitating that that to to balance out the uh, the duos here. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, again, they're going to overnight in Edmonton. They will fly to Philadelphia on Sunday. It'll be a travel day. And then we'll get an idea of what Rick Tockett's thinking on Monday and get a better sense uh, you know, of who's uh, healthy and who's knocking on the door to get into the lineup among this injured group. And Guillaume Brisebois is also on the trip too. I, I was a little surprised. Tockett was a little confusing at practice on Friday or after practice on Friday at UBC, was asked all about his injured guys and who was traveling and said some would and some wouldn't. But I saw the Canucks video getting on the airplane and Guillaume Brisebois uh, has the bags packed, and he's on this trip as well. So don't forget about uh, Guillaume Brisebois. He may be an option to draw in uh, as a depth guy as well. Uh, the Canucks will have those decisions. They don't play again until Tuesday in Philadelphia, 3 o'clock start Pacific time. They bump that up because of playoff baseball in Philadelphia and just trying to uh, mitigate the traffic situation. Uh, the hockey game will take a back seat to Philly's playoff baseball for <laughs> sure, think? but they didn't want them to have, they share a parking lot there. They didn't want them to have the same start time. So a uh, little unorthodox, three o'clock Pacific, six o'clock Eastern, but uh, it's the same for both teams and play they will. It was the Oilers home opener tonight. This will be the last home opener that the Canucks have to endure. Philadelphia hasn't played a home game yet, so they'll have to go through whole pregame uh, rigmarole, if you will, and all the introductions and everything else. And we'll see if the Flyers can feed off that. But you know that the Vancouver Canucks are going to feed off the fact that they are a 2-0 hockey club as they head to the Far East, and uh, at least in this continent, to uh, take on the Flyers on Tuesday 4-3. They beat the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday night. This is rink-wide Vancouver. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Canucks over the Oilers by a score of 4-3. to three. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Jeff and Blake with you. Blake, tell us about your good friends at the Applewood Auto Group. 
I, I'm actually shocked because I think we've all heard about the, the interest rates these days. How about this? You can lease a 2023 QX50 from Applewood Nissan Infinity at the Richmond Auto Ball from 3.49%. 3.49% or a 2023 QX60 from 2.99%. Those are yesteryear uh, rates. Go check it out right now. Applewood Nissan at the Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good. And Applewood. So we'll get to the rink-wide Vancouver three stars of this hockey game. I'm always curious to see who's selected in the building. And Sam Lafferty got the first star selection at Rogers Place tonight, uh, selected by the Oilers Radio. Casey DeSmith with the second star. And the new Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who scored his first of the year and, in fact, was in on all three of the Oilers goals and was part of that first shift that was absolutely ferocious. Uh, kind of felt inevitable after about the 10 second mark that uh, the Oilers were going to find the back of the net or at least something bad was going to happen. The Canucks were going to take a penalty. Uh, they started the Miller line with Cole and Myers, which I thought was interesting because uh, the other night at home when they had the last change, tried to get Heronik and Hughes out against uh, McDavid as much as they could. So they sort of split the difference and went with the Miller line to start. And then uh, it was uh, Dreisaitl's line, in fact, that did start. So the Oilers uh, playing the chess game, kept McDavid on the bench to open the hockey game. But uh, boy, the Oilers came out flying. And uh, 42 seconds in, they opened the score. But that was their only lead of the night. The Canucks tied it at one and then went ahead two to one. Uh, Oilers tied it at two. They tied it at three. And then Lafferty gets uh, the winner, 256 into the third period. Uh, for my money, Casey DeSmith, anytime a goaltender is making close to 40 saves in a hockey game on the road, pressed into duty. Uh, I would call it a surprise start just because, uh, I mean, how much time did we spend through the offseason about, uh, you know, when's the backup going to get his first start? We didn't know who the backup was going to be, but we figured with the schedule and no back-to-backs that Thatcher Demko was going to be leaned on, and he will be, but uh, didn't know the illness part of the equation uh, until the other night. So the Canucks uh, electing to go with Casey DeSmith, and uh, boy, this will only boost his confidence, and I would think the coaching staff's confidence and the players in front of him uh, that he turns in this 38-save performance. So for me... Casey DeSmith was uh, the rink-wide Vancouver number one star of this hockey game. Yeah, I think he gave his uh, teammates a reason to feel confident. Um, again, despite some scrambly play, boy, did he stop all the first shots, right? Like, he he wasn't going to be beaten cleanly. It didn't seem like from way out or anything like that. He he was in good position. Um, I'm sure Ian Clark could work on, on sort of reading the scrambles and what the most efficient way is to deal with those, but... Uh, I, I think he looked pretty good. It's a good debut. So I go to Smith one. I'm going to go with Hoaglander two. And I know Lafferty got the winner, but mm. it was set up by Hoaglander. And again, I just think this is a really good news story for both Niels Hoaglander and the Vancouver Canucks. Three points in his first two games. This is a guy that had nine points in 25 games last season. Now, you know, on the surface, nine points in 25. It's not three points in 25 games. There was nine yeah. points there. Uh, nowhere close to his rookie season when he was basically a half a point a game guy. But these three points now, combined with the the nine that he you know, 12 points in his last 27 National Hockey League games, not far off half a point for Nils Hoaglander, and yet just didn't work with Bruce Boudreaux. It wasn't there. We know, uh, you know he never got the call back up uh, last season, but uh, here he is, makes this roster at the very least, uh, out of training camp. But kind of slipped down the depth chart a little bit from those first couple of days of camp and the first preseason game when he played with Pedersen and and Kuzmenko. But he is trying to find his way and find his spot and lower in the lineup here, absolutely finding a way to contribute. So nice start to the season for the Canucks and a, a nice start to the season for Hoaglander. Yeah, it was, and and you know he has so much to offer. I don't think uh, these points per game are likely to 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 hold up, but if he can be a 
0.4 points per game kind of guy, 0.5 as you talked about. I mean, that with his, the way that he plays and some intensity, like that's that's a really nice player to have. And I think that's a realistic goal for, for Niels Hoaglander, and he's off to a great start to get there. And I'll throw the new Jabon as well. I mean, in on all three of their goals. Uh, it is interesting, though, that, uh, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and the Nuge, I mean, there's your big three. They all had 100-point seasons last year. Uh, I would imagine there is a little bit of angst. It's a long season in Edmonton, but, you know, you've got Andrew Kane, who I think has been pretty quiet in the first couple of games here. Uh, Zach Hyman was around the puck and uh, drew a penalty there in the third period uh, that, again, gave the others a power play. But, you know, Connor Brown trying to find his footing there with uh, the Edmonton Oilers and rekindle uh, the junior magic that he had with Connor McDavid uh, hasn't happened there. So, you know, quiet, uh, a quiet night for their depth guys, certainly. In fact, two quiet nights uh, and probably a little too quiet in the eyes of uh, Oiler fans and probably the Oiler coaching staff. But uh, the Nuge with three points. So uh, he's off and running here. So there you go. Those are the rink-wide Vancouver three stars. Casey DeSmith, Niels Hoaglander. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I'm going to throw an honorable mention to JT Miller because the Canucks beat the Oilers without goals from Miller, without a goal from Pedersen. Brock Besser had the one assist. But, you know, when you look at the stat line the other night, I mean, the stars were shining and they were all over the score sheet. But JT Miller plays 22 minutes and 39 seconds of this hockey game, a team high five minutes and 52 seconds on the penalty kill and uh, the five on three, like I thought he was absolutely invested a couple of puck battles there that he had. I thought I saw his legs shaking. Like I, I, he was out there for so long and you could tell he he was fully invested as you talked about. And that was a couple of times I noticed where he was giving it so much that I thought he was going to collapse. And we have seen JT in years gone by. I think games in Seattle, uh, one of the last couple of years where the Canucks were down and he just picked a fight to, you know, try to get himself into a game and get his teammates into his game and show the crack of it, you know, they meant business and all that kind of stuff. He's not going to fight all the time. And I don't want to make too much of it, but I thought him bowling over Leon Dreisaitl along the boards in front of the benches there when it was already one nothing, And Dreisaitl kind of stops up in the neutral zone and turns back and Miller just flattened him. And we know how big Leon Dreisaitl is. And that was one of eight hits that JT had on the night. And I just kind of thought that that was a little bit of message sending in as much as not, you know, I'm going to like take a run at Leon Dreisaitl, but it's like, you got one already, but we're not going to get run out of the rink that, you know, I'm going to offer some resistance here. And that's a role that he has to play, not only on the leadership side, but he is one of the more physical forwards that the Vancouver Canucks had or have. And it's not easy to knock Leon Dreisaitl uh, on his ass. And and JT Miller did that. And I just thought, uh, again, on the penalty kill, I know that they gave up two on the night, but uh, there were moments, and certainly the five on three in the third was one of them. And I, I just thought uh, a really solid effort from JT Miller. You know, it's not one of those nights where he's going to jump off the score sheet, but I thought it was some of the things that maybe fly under the radar a little bit, but contribute to a full team victory. And that's what this one was, is the Canucks beat the Oilers by a score of four to three. Giuseppe with four hits as well, so 12 from that duo on the same line. And the timing of the hit that you're talking about is uh, a part of their recuperation after the 42-second mark goal. Yeah, They got things started for the Oilers in which, uh, you know, do last year's Vancouver Canucks bounce back like that and look um, as unflapped by that goal? I mean, they looked flapped in the moment of that goal because it was, it was uh, the way it transpired. But Ultimately, 
I thought they they didn't look like, oh my God, I guess we're just going to get waxed here tonight. They're mad about the 8-1 loss. I guess it's our turn to take one on the chin. Like There was none of that. Um, the Canucks weren't about to be steamrolled and and they bent and they did not break. And it, to me, there was, uh, there was a test there that they uh, they passed with flying colors. Well, and it's funny because Rick Tockett's talked about this through the preseason that even in games, like the game in Seattle, if you recall, uh, they lose 3-1, to one, but the shots were basically a 2-1 to one edge for the Kraken. But Tockett thought, and he had said he had talked to Thatcher Demko, Demko didn't feel that he had to make any like absolute five bell saves, that he had to make the saves that he was supposed to. Like the Oilers had 41 shots here, and we talked about dry sidle hitting posts. But like, do you like Casey DeSmith? I didn't think was forced to, you know, there wasn't that like one save that's going to be played on a loop on all those highlight shows that uh, run every morning on the, the networks in this country. Again, there were some scrambles, loose bucks, and those types of things. There were some close calls. Don't get me wrong here. They had 41 shots, but I, I didn't feel like this was Casey DeSmith standing on his absolute head. Uh, he made stops and he's not the biggest guy, but I thought he made himself look big in the net at times and, you know, whatever it took, uh, he got the job done. Canucks in front of him, they got the job done as well. Uh, 25 block shots. Yeah. 25 block. I mean, it was a team effort. Well, and, and that's the other thing too, is, I mean, again, we're not trying to fool anybody here. I mean, the shot attempts in this hockey game, as I do math on the fly, but I mean, the, the shot attempts were like 98 to 30 or something, 90 to 30 or something yeah. like that. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, and again, some of that's on the power play and the Oilers. So we know that they've got this vaunted power play. 12 of their shots came with the man advantage. The power play shots in the hockey game were 12 to two. The Oilers scored twice. The Canucks scored once. So the Canucks uh, with a 50% shooting percentage with the man advantage, the Oilers go two on the 12 shots that they generated. Just want to go back to to JT Miller for a quick sec though. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's so important to get Teddy Bluger and Ilya Mikheyev back in because there are going to be a lot of nights where Jack Studnika doesn't find the back of the net or Sam Lafferty doesn't play the role of hero and you're going to need offense from JT Miller and you can't have him killing six minutes of penalty time, you know, in these high leverage situations and then think that he's going to be fresh and ready to go to the attack and, and come through for them offensively. And so I, I don't imagine that if you've got Bluger and McKayev in the lineup, that JT Miller's going to be killing six minutes of shorthanded time very often through the season. They got by and they won this hockey game. And so you take all the positives out of that, but you want JT Miller to be more effective. You want him to be fresh and rested and ready to go. If the Oilers tie that game, you know, then somebody has to score again for the Vancouver Canucks if they're going to win it. And JT Miller would be one of your candidates. But uh, you know, again, putting in shifts on the penalty kill, got it done in this one. But uh, I don't think that Bluger and Mikheyev can get into this lineup quickly enough for the Vancouver Canucks just to take that workload off the plate of JT Miller. And to take that one further step back, I, I don't think uh, we've ripped games like this before when it's game 50 of the season and they've done this 50 times in a row getting outshot like hell and losing game. And so understand, folks, if you're wondering why it sounds all sunshine and roses, a, this is back-to-back games against the same team, which it's tough to sweep two games in the regular season with parity in this league, and it's a cup contender. And until they've done this a bunch of times, like you don't want this to be uh, your calling card for wins. Get out shot fifty to twenty, and you know, hang it all on your uh, on your goaltender. Um, but here in the here and now, 
completely fine with the way that they won this game. Do I want to see that in three of the next four? I certainly do not. And I actually don't even expect that at all. Um, I think this was a mad Oiler team that threw everything they had at the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, and I, I think the Canucks are very fortunate. They've got the extra day off here as they head further east. And I think they've got a, a better than fighter fighting chance to to take two points in Philadelphia. But um, I don't suspect this is going to be the the mo the rest of the season. But rest assured, um, if it were, I, I don't think people would be happy with the way this went down. But given the desperation and and again the fact this was back to back games against the same foe, uh, you just give them credit for getting the full four points. Yeah, and uh, against the backdrop of going 0-7 to start last season, or at least 0-5 right. and, and 2, yeah. and the blown leads. And here they had a lead in the third period, and you know, did they get outplayed? Did they sit back? Was it the Oilers? Is it McDavid and Dreisaitl? All of those things, yes. And at the end of the night, the Canucks found a way to get this thing just to drag it across the finish line. And those two points now look uh, you know, just as good as the two points from an 8-1 waxing on opening night. The Vancouver Canucks are 2-0, where they uh, needed eight games last year to find their first victory. And as you said, now it sets them up, feeling good about themselves, feeling confident, going into Philly. And you know, we know a John Tortorella team, certainly early in the season, they play hard. It's not going to, there are no easy nights in the National Hockey League, but the Canucks have to be feeling pretty good about themselves. You'd think that your Demko is going to be rested and ready to go. So get their ace back in there. And uh, yeah, I mean, an opportunity and not getting ahead of ourselves. But the fact of the matter is that 2-0, and they now have a chance to start this season 3-0. and And what a difference that would be compared to what uh, they went through at the start of last season. I think Philly's going to come at them yeah. much like Edmonton does. Except they just don't have as much skill as right. Edmonton, right? So, um, but it could be a scrappy game. They, they might have to put up their dukes a little bit and, and uh, weather some storms, uh, some tort storms at the very least. Yeah, if you have to put up your dukes and fight uh, with your bank, if you're in the market for a new home, uh, you want Jason. Step aside. Let Jason Hominick do the the sparring with the bank. That's uh, that, he's the pro. He's got 30 years of experience. He's the guy you want on your side. It's a crazy market right now for rates and trying to figure it all out. So you're right. Let him use his experience and explain it all to you. Uh, He can demystify the mortgage industry for you. So go check it out at jason.mortgage. Still got the stat that stands out, and there were a few of them to choose from in this hockey game as the Canucks defeat the Edmonton Oilers 4-3. The Vancouver Canucks are 2-0 to start this season. This is rink-wide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They started just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Connect 4 3 winners in Edmonton to run their early season record to 2 0. And of course, the flip side of that is that the divisional rival in the Edmonton Oilers. And I do think the Oilers will be okay in the long run. But a little setback here right out of the gates. They, of course, are 0-2. Now, this is Rinkwide Vancouver as we break down everything we saw at Rogers Place on Friday night. Saturday night, 
uh, lose track of the days here. You know, yeah. <laughs> Friday the 13th. This was Saturday the 14th. And uh, certainly no bad luck for the Vancouver Canucks as uh, they did what they had to do. You know, still trying to get the full book on Sam Lafferty and what he's going to bring to this group. And I thought he had his moments the other night in the first period when he drew a penalty driving wide and cutting hard to the net. But, uh, you know, we were told that he's a combination of speed and uh, some physicality. And, you know, we, we've seen that now through two games. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and declare this an overwhelming victory for the Vancouver Canucks because he's still a depth piece. But we've talked about depth scoring, but just a lot to like on his goal there. Um, you know, instead of pulling up, as we've seen lots of guys, if they don't have confidence in their uh, full abilities, maybe they pull up in that play and look for a pass. But uh, he used his speed. He got a step on the defender and, you know, showed a little finish as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I I think he's a guy that you invest in as a bottom six player because he's got something. There is there is a tool in the toolbox, and sometimes with bottom six players, you don't necessarily see that. He's just, oh, he's an all-around guy, he tries hard. Speed is pretty useful, and he's also got this ability to fight off guys. Um, I mean, this is only two games, but he's shown it now twice in a row that he's got NHL speed and NHL strength. And, you know, he's got a bigger sample size and everybody that we've talked to so far has said he's paid 1.15. He ultimately is a $1.15 million player, but that's not what we've seen through two games. So either this is going to be a career year for Sam Lafferty or it's a a little spike, but uh, the Canucks are going to take it uh, however they get it here because it's been a heck of a two games here from Sam Lafferty. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, he played more in this game than Kuzmenko, than Garland, than Anthony Beauvillier. Now, deserved it. He killed yeah. and he kills penalties. So that obviously, you know, the penalties were or the power plays were seven to three for the Oilers, and all the Oilers didn't uh, last a full two minutes. But still, uh, if you weren't a penalty killer. Uh, there was a long stretch there in that second period where guys like Kuzmenko and Garland and Stavnika uh, just didn't see the ice. And that can be difficult. And so, again, uh, you know, to get the winner early in the third period from depth guys uh, it just kind of is, uh, you know, the cherry on top on a night like this one. Uh, Lafferty looked like he had helped himself to, uh, you know, a, a large portion of uh, A.G. Green's uh, because uh, he certainly had the energy uh, early in the third period. So I don't know what they do between periods, but uh, he looked like he grabbed the AG1. It, it's, it's, I see green stuff in their hands all the time. <laughs> I, I'm hoping it's AG1. Um, it should be in your hands, folks. DrinkAG1.com slash rinkwide Vancouver. Uh, you'll get a special offer there, some for home, some for the road. So even if you're out on a road trip like the Canucks are, you'll still be able to get that foundational nutritional supplement that you so desperately want and need. Drinkag1.com slash rinkwide Vancouver. The stat that stands out for me in this hockey game, and we talked about it, my math wasn't great earlier on, so uh, I have now got the official numbers here. Uh, the shot attempts were 88-33. I mean, that's not a game that the Vancouver Canucks will want to get involved in very often. Maybe they wouldn't mind being on the flip side of that, but uh, yeah, I mean, the Oilers had 88 shot attempts in all situations the high danger chances were three to one, the edge for the Oilers, 21 to seven, the high danger scoring chances in this hockey game. And uh, yeah, I mean, at times it felt like it, but uh, you know what? There are nights where, you know, we can spit out all the numbers we want. The game is ultimately played on the ice and uh, the Canucks, as we said, you know, top to bottom, 
didn't have to lean on Elias Pettersson and JT Miller, but Pettersson had a couple of assists. And I thought Pettersson was fabulous, honestly. Yeah. I, 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 he again is playing so strong. Yeah. Except of course when McDavid bumps into him, and then he seems to go down <laughs> like a house of cards. Which I, I, I noticed that Canuck Nation was completely unanimous. He absolutely went down easy there, and no one had absolutely <laughs> any issue with it. They were, they were okay. But no, just the, um, the space that he takes up right now, Jeff, is different. That that scrawny kid that first burst onto the scene is gone. This guy, I'm not going to call him a beast, but he, I don't know. There's there's a certain something there with Elias Pettersson, and uh, if we thought last year was a career high, I think we have to readjust things here because that guy looks like he is uh, he is motivated and he's got a different way of executing what's going on in his head, uh, different strength and. Look out. This could be a really fun season watching Elias Patterson. Well, and it's funny, too, because he's got six points. He had two, he was in on two of the four goals here. He got the, the second assist on the Kuzmenko goal and then the setup on the two on O with Stadnika. So he's got six points in his two games. He only had one shot on goal in this hockey game. And I kind of felt like the other night, I mean, Besser stole the show with four goals. And so Pedersen's four points then kind of flew under the radar. But, you know, what does it say? The guy's able to put up six points and hasn't been the dominant force in a hockey game yet. And that's going to come and it'll happen on a lot of nights this season. So, again, I think you file that one in the good news bin that, you know, they haven't needed him to absolutely run the show. And yet he's getting his and they're 2-0 and they're off to Philadelphia to try to make it three straight out of the gate. So uh, Quinn Hughes turned 24, and he will be celebrating a victory again. You know, he was busy. Uh, some of his best work came on the penalty kill, like a lot of guys. Uh, you know, he gets the assist with the shot on the Kuzmenko goal, but uh, this wasn't a, a big point production night for Quinn Hughes. And it wasn't a big point production night for any of the stars, but there are going to be those nights. And I think in years gone by, they wouldn't have had the depth scores to pick up the top end of the lineup and they might have fallen a goal short. And instead, they get some depth scoring here in the early going and they're able to grind out a, a 4-3 victory. You wonder, what is Carson Soucy's ice time in a game like this if he's there to help? For instance, fourth in ice time for defenseman Tyler Myers at 19.38, and the other three guys, Rona, Cole, and Hughes, are all basically at 25 minutes. You wonder, are they going to give Susie, a, you know, one of those 25-minute chunks? Is he going to be alongside Tyler Myers? It's going to be interesting when they have the full, what will be their full complement of blue liners and, and how the ice time is doled out, because you'd like to see maybe some of those 25s come down, but Ultimately, with the strength of that final pairing, they might not be afforded that luxury, right? It might have to be that they just lean on four guys. Yeah, uh, stay out of the penalty box a little more than they did in this one. Don't uh, put yourself in that position where you're just chasing like they were for much of the second period. And that's where I think Carson Soucy, at least for me in the preseason, like I didn't think he was terrific in all situations, but on the penalty kill, particularly the blue line, like already in a very small sample size, uh, in a Canuck uniform in the preseason before he got hurt, though, the, the limiting of entries and just denying, like, he's such, he's big, he's long, he's got the active stick. And, you know, last year, the Canucks just laid out the, you know, they rolled out the red carpet to teams on the power play. Come on mm-hmm. in, the water's warm, and then teams would set up. Well, if you deny the entry, you know, that's half the battle, or at least a big part of the battle, force them to regroup. Maybe you cut them off at the pass and, 
you take possession and send it all the way back and and those types of things. And I thought Susie did a really good job of that. And, you know, you, you wonder at some point if Susie and Myers were out there together, you got, you know, six, seven, six, five and reach for days like that denies entries. It just does. And, and again, I think that makes the penalty kill that much easier. So, yeah, I mean, again, to repeat what we said that Rick Tockett after the morning skate, when he was asked, he just said it was a good day for Susie. And I watched him skate on Friday, uh, you know, for a guy whose knee got wrenched pretty good in the final preseason game. And I was a little worried that that was good. When they said week to week, I thought, you know, the Canuck way is week to week means four to six weeks. And here he is, he's back, he's at practice, he's traveling, all those types of things. And I think we see him on the road trip. So uh, wasn't expecting that one. In fact, I, of the two, I kind of figured that Bluger would be the guy that was, you know, maybe had to miss the opener and would be ready to go for this one. That's not happening. It doesn't sound like he's going to be on this road trip. So for all those things that we talked about earlier, uh, you know, Ilya Mikheyev could possibly get into the lineup before Teddy Bluger, but it's still a little murky on Mikheyev as well, as far as uh, when he's going, but he was, he's on this trip. So you know, he's going to get in practice time. He's every day, a day closer. And ultimately, we'll see when Ilya Mikheyev makes his season debut for the Vancouver Canucks. And I think, you know, when Mikheyev gets to the green light here, that gives Rick Tockett options, not just on the penalty kill, but, you know, Connor Garland hasn't played an awful lot in the first couple of games. We don't know what Connor Garland's immediate future. Elliot Friedman talking about him again uh, on Hockey Night in Canada. You know, he hasn't done a lot. Beauvillier hasn't done an awful lot here in the first couple no. of games. No. And so, you know, I think the Canucks absolutely will welcome Mikheyev back into the lineup and put him in a top six position uh, to start. And, and we've seen how much speed helps this team because it has not been traditionally a fast team. Lafferty comes in immediately and, and it pays dividends. And you can bet that they are probably salivating a little bit and getting the speed of, uh, of Mikheyev back in. But all those names you talk about, the Canucks get better. I mean, they're 2-0 and against a really good team, and they should be getting better with these guys getting back into the lineup. So there's reason to be quite optimistic right now. Well, how about that? Uh, optimism abounds yeah. in Vancouver. 2-0 uh, and to start the season as they head for Philadelphia. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on Rinkwide Vancouver. We're looking forward to Game 3 already, and of course we'll be back after that one and as this road trip carries on and all season long, because that's what we do here post-game podcast that you can take with you on your schedule uh, post-game on demand. The Vancouver Canucks defeat the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 4-3. to Rink-wide Vancouver, a presentation of Bodog from casino games to poker tips to sports odds. Uh, it is Canada's choice. So uh, check them out to online at bodog.ca. All right. Uh, for Blake Price, this is Jeff Patterson. Thanks for uh, spending a little time with us here on this weekend. Enjoy what's left of it. And uh, we'll catch up with you here as the Canucks take on the Philadelphia Flyers on Tuesday afternoon. That's going to do it for us on Rick White. Vancouver.